Hello and welcome. I'm Tandy and this is Harlan and we're the Lost Boys and we are here with a set review for you uh, from chapter two of Disney's Lorcana, Rise of the Floodborne. And today we're going to be going over the color Sapphire. Uh, this is a color combination that is very much revolving around items. And uh, Harlan, why don't you just tell us about the first card that we're going to be talking about, uh, Popsicle, this uh, one cost item. Yeah, so this card is the defining card of the color. I think it's the defining card of the set, and I think it's the defining card of the game of Lorcana. I don't know if uh, how many of our viewers at home are from Magic the Gathering like we are, but we had a very similar card printed uh, a few years ago that got banned in every format down to Popper, which is the commons-only format, and this card is Popsicle. So it's a one-cost inkable item uh, Jumbo Pop, when you play this item, you may draw a card. And that's Redwood. Banish this item. Remove up to two damage from chosen character. This yeah, card... That second ability doesn't really bananas. do a lot, right? But the first ability, the draw card thing? Uh, funny enough, the second ability will come up uh, with some of the other cards we do later in Sapphire that, you know, pick up an item from your, your discard pile. So it is actually relevant that it can put itself in the discard pile so you can pick it up again to recur it and draw another card but yeah this card is just it, it's funny because i always say that the you know the actions that cost one and draw a card are like kind of bad because you're just wasting the resource this is you know you are spending that ink but you're actually investing it into a card on the table that you can do other things with and we will see throughout this spoiler that there are so many cards that fundamentally do not work without this card in the set. Yeah. On top of this card is just kind of absurd because you are getting an item in play and already replacing it. And you have this additional resource that matters for your other cards. It's, it's so absurd. So, uh, one thing that I like talking about when we do discuss magic, uh, there are two types of items. We call them artifacts or enchantments. Uh, there are, there are two types of items that are particularly problematic, and those are items that cost zero so that you can play a bunch of them for free and then use them in a number of different ways, uh, often exploiting different cards that uh, push on different parts of the game engine. Uh, but there are also things that replace themselves, and the things that replace themselves very rarely uh, have text on them that matters in the grand scheme of things or like progressing towards physically winning the game, uh, but they say draw a card on them or sometimes do more than that. And Popsicle is a great example of the second uh, of those two things where it's just something that comes into play, replaces itself, and sits. And any of your other cards that you have that reference an item are now juiced. And so while it doesn't really do anything, it's statically doing stuff over the course of the rest of the game, slowly making every one of your item matters cards more powerful. Now, uh, as we get into all the other Sapphire cards, we're going to be referencing Popsicle a lot. So make sure you just have this one locked in your head. One cost inkable item comes in, draw a card, banish it, remove up to two damage from chosen character. All right. We're going to be starting off with the more expensive cards, uh, as we've done in the last few videos, just because those are often the big uh, shift characters that that uh, we want to talk about, whereas the smaller iterations are usually a little bit weaker. Uh, so we're going to be starting off here with uh, Grand Pabby. This is a seven cost 
Uninkable, uh, 3-6, the quest for three. It's the oldest and wisest. It has Ancient Insight. Whenever you remove one or more damage from one of your characters, gain two lore. So we already see one thing that the second iteration uh, or the second ability on Popsicle works with, with Grand Pabby's uh, heal effect. Yeah, so this card actually is part of a combo deck that a friend of the channel, Jeebus, the uh, streamer, nice. who plays a, a good amount of Lorcana now, he has a an awesome uh, Ruby Sapphire combo deck that is built around Popsicle and all the ways to recur it and draw cards. And he actually just builds to a combo with Grand Pabby and a card like Scar uh, from our last video, where... That scar readies whenever it challenges something. Right. And so it builds up damage very quickly. Mm-hmm. And then you just recur Popsicle and you gain an absurd amount of lore. I've seen him gain 18 plus lore in a single turn. Wow. From basically no board. Like he didn't have a bunch of characters that could quest. It was just 18 lore off of the scar and the Pabby just comboing off. It was crazy. I mean, and it I- does it pretty consistently yeah. because you draw so many cards. I'm going to have to see that deck, so I'm going to be going and checking out uh, Jeebus' uh, Twitter after this to see if he posts up any of the lists. He was uh, in the like top-ranked players on uh, Pixelborn for quite some time during the first season. I expect as long as he's playing the game, he will be up there in the running. Uh, he was a, an excellent uh, streamer of Storybook Brawl, a game that I played tons of. And uh, he actually even came out to the Lost Boys Invitational uh, that was sponsored by TCG Player uh, a few months back when we had it at uh, the Apex Gaming Store back in October. Uh, next up, we're going to be talking about Gaston Intellectual Powerhouse. This is a six-cost uninkable 4-4, the quest for three, and it shifts for four uh, with the ability Developed Brain. When you play this character, look at the top three cards of your deck. You may put one into your hand, but the rest on the bottom of your deck in any order. So draws a card basically when it comes into play, has a shift, quest for three, uh, I love this card. Uh, I already played it in uh, one of our versus videos when it was one of the first few cards reviewed or revealed, and uh, it worked nicely as a shift, and it also worked nicely just casting it. Felt very similar to Robin Hood Unrivaled Archer, except there was no downside of your opponent having to uh, have more cards in hand than you, and being able to look at the top three often meant that I was able to find very specific answers to the problems you were presenting. Yeah, another thing I want to go over, especially with types of cards like this Gaston where this card, by all accounts, outside of being uninkable, is just kind of like a slam dunk auto-include yes. in almost any Sapphire deck, right? It It's not only that it replaces itself, it gives you card selection. It's an awesome threat. It has three points of lore. The, the normal stats are fine. You know, it's a 4-4. Four, four. It's going to survive. It's going to offer trades. It's a good card all around, right? Mm-hmm. This card is not something I'm even entertaining putting in any of my sapphire decks at this point because of this popsicle engine okay so it's not part of the popsicle engine so it's not making the cut okay okay it's over costed for what it does because everything works with popsicle and draws one plus cards already the the issue sapphire has at this point is not finding cards that draw cards it's adequately impacting the board so that you aren't falling too far behind while all of your cards draw a billion cards. That makes a lot of sense. I'm very excited about the Popsicle deck, so we'll continue discussing it uh, as we move on to 
Our next card, Basil. Uh, great mouse detective versus Basil. Is it Basil or Basil? Yeah, it depends on if you ask uh, Gordon Ramsay or not. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, this is a six cost inkable three four it has shift five. Shift five on a six drop is a pretty expensive shift. Uh, but uh, let's continue. A quest for three. And uh, the ability is there's always a chance it says if you use shift to play this character, you may draw two cards when he enters play, but doesn't have that effect when you cast it normally. So this is a shift or bust type of card, which is pretty cool, but maybe has the same problem as the Gaston we were just talking about. Yeah, it's 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 a weird time, especially with a second chapter of a of a game that like we've already hit this like, well, this is kind of the busted thing. And I really don't want to harp on it too much, but it is very much a thing that exists and is a thing you have to be aware of. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that isn't always the most fun. But when you're more competitively focused, it it matters. You know, if you're going to be going to a tournament and you're already going to be playing, if you choose to be playing a Sapphire deck, if you're playing a less powerful version of Sapphire, you're already at a disadvantage in your, you know, Sapphire mirror matches. But then everybody who is trying to beat sapphire decks in general are equipped to beat the you know more powerful version and you know it may be an unfun theme that you find across this video but it it is the world we live in look we talked a lot about ruby and how the dealing your self damage on your characters was like not that good thematically look there's already a couple cards in the first set that work with items. Maurice, mm-hmm. uh, one of the bells, things like that. Amatoa. Yep. Right. And so, look, that's just part of Sapphire's identity. But that doesn't mean that over the course of the next year, every single Sapphire deck is going to be a popsicle deck. And if it does mean that, then there's a chance that they have to ban popsicle just mm-hmm. because it enables too many of these like kind of wonky item combos. And and so, yes, like like you said, but I, I think it's important to, to think about these cards both in a vacuum and in current context. And something like that Basil or the Gaston are both going to be significantly stronger when the context of the popsicle is removed, and that can be either naturally via metagame shifts or combinations that uh, are derived uh, in future sets, uh, but it can also just mean that action is taken against the popsicle, and then we, we have to reevaluate these cards mm-hmm. uh, with with a different lens. Uh, I think both of them being able to draw cards or multiple cards um, is quite strong, and I think you know either would have been fine in your Amber Sapphire mid-range deck that you used to win the Invitational a few months back. and uh, But now we're just moving in a different direction, and Popsicle is the direction that we want to move because we understand that it's probably going to be the most competitive Sapphire strategy. Mm-hmm. And I, I do want to, you know, it is unfun in general because it, it pushes out a lot of other don't cards that put, you want to play. Don't say but unfun. Say, it's not, it's no, barely I, been out. And I, and I, yeah. I haven't even gotten to play with it yet. Don't, don't tell me what's fun and unfun yet. I well, want to no, try. I, I, this is my personal feeling that it, it is less fun that there's, it feels like I have less cards to play with. But the upside I is see, I see. that the, the Popsicle and all the cards that work with it are an absolute blast to play with. So it is, you know, ultimately a win. It's just, you know, I want to have my cake and eat it, too, you know? All right. 
Well, moving on, uh, we're going to talk about Rabbit Reluctant Host. This is a five-cost inkable, four-six, the quest for two. Just filling out the stats on the curve. This one's nothing really to, to talk about too much. Uh, then we're going to see next up is Cruella DeVille, Perfectly Wretched, five-cost inkable, four-three, quest for two, and it has shift three. Uh, the ability, oh, no, you don't. When this character quests, chosen opposing character gets minus two strength this turn. It's it's very strange to have this card next to the queen from Amber. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's a very uh, her versus the, the girl she tells you not to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially because there's like a goon uh, that can be shifted on and. The shift only costs two, and there's a million. Versus three, yeah. Yeah, there's a million ways to compare. Uh, not all cards and colors are created equal. I'll say that. Uh, so we are going to move on to probably my favorite card in Sapphire outside of the Popsicle stuff that I haven't really gotten to play with yet. Uh, we're going to talk about Cogsworth, Grandfather Clock, a five-cost inkable, two-five, quest for two, and as uh, shift three, as well as ward. Uh, and the ability is unwind. Your other characters gain resist one. Uh, this is something that we played a little bit in our versus series, and uh, it was impressive. Uh, the ward meant you couldn't use Dragonfire on it, and if you never quested with it, it meant that all of your stuff perpetually had that resist one, uh, and uh, there was very little your opponent could do about it. Yeah, it's funny. This card hasn't seen as much play as we initially thought it would, I think partly because of, you know, the whole Popsicle engine, right. but also partly because it almost kind of pushed itself out of the metagame almost immediately just by nature of if this is seeing play, things like Steel have to dial back and challenging gets way worse in general. Mm. So decks kind of slanted into a world where Cogsworth is kind of omnipresent. And that, as a result, makes the card itself worse because everybody is prepared for it. And then you almost don't need to play it because they're not doing the thing that it's strong against anyway. Right. It, di it dictates kind of where the format leads and the place where it yep. leads is a place where Cogsworth is not that useful, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, we'll see. And I think the Popsicle thing is definitely going to be the uh, the deciding factor for many of these cards. Um, but uh, my initial testing with the Cogsworth, it felt really strong. And I would love to see some Cogsworth Cogsworth decks. If y'all have any, please share them down below in the comments. We'd like to see them. Uh, next up, we're moving on to the four drops. Uh, this is going to be Sisu Divine Water Dragon. Uh, this is from Ryan the Last Dragon. It's a four cost uninkable, uh, two four, the quest for two, and it has the ability I trust you. When this character quests, look at the top two cards of your deck. You may put one into your hand, put the rest on the bottom of your deck in any order. So uh, it replaces itself when it quests. The, the only real downside on this card, I think, is that it only has two strength instead of three, which I think is more common for this uh, cost, and it's not inkable. But uh, once it comes down, you know, it quests for a decent amount and replaces itself with a potentially better card. I, I quite like Sisu. Yeah, this card is awesome. Um, I think this card has a bright future. It being uninkable is not too big of a deal. Uh, and, you know, it, it replacing itself almost immediately, you know, it's not likely that this is going to get removed in a lot of situations. You're going to get to quest with it. And the the slight selection on the ability, it's not just draw a card, makes it even more powerful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've obviously talked a lot about Popsicle so far and the Popsicle engine and everything with it. You can dial all that back and play more of these fair cards like Sisu and Gaston 
and have like kind of split your differences, which gives you some resiliency. You know what I mean? Where you aren't just all in on one thing. You're kind of hedging your bets in both directions with just a more robust game plan of all your cards are good. And this is a great card for doing that. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about Sardine Can. This is uh, the second item we've seen outside of Popsicle. It's a four-cost inkable item with the ability Flight Cabin. Your exerted characters gain ward. Uh Huh? What? Yeah, so it's it's strange because you actually want your unexerted characters to have ward. Right. Because your exerted characters can be challenged. Um, I think this... I think it would be too good if it was just all your characters had ward, especially when it's not a character itself. Um, that being said, I think it kind of misses the mark of it's good if your opponent is all in on, you know, focus targeting your things. But if they have a good mix of challenging and targeting like they should, it's it's going to be pretty weak overall, especially at four cost. But, you know, there might be a world where there's a deck that's just like, I'm going to blow up all your stuff with targeted removal, and I don't really have good challenges, but I I, I don't really see that being a thing. I would be surprised if this card ever uh, sees play in a constructed deck. I I think this card is extremely weak, and I don't really get it. I think this card could cost one. I I don't know. I just don't think it does much. Okay, uh, moving on, we're going to be discussing uh, Four Dozen Eggs. This is the song from Beauty and the Beast that Gaston sings about his uh, uh, eating habits. Uh, Four-cost inkable song. says your characters gain resist two until the start of your next turn. So the turn you play it, you may do some challenging to get immediate resist, but then also uh, your stuff maintains that resist until your opponent's uh, until the end of your opponent's next turn when they start to challenge your stuff. Uh, what do you think about four dozen eggs and that big damage buffer? Yeah, I, I could see like uh, one or two of this scene play in a, in decks, kind of like uh, my ramp deck from the Invitational, where a lot of the games come down to kind of board stalls, especially sure. against steel decks where they kind of need to build to double grab your sword turns, where you can just absolutely blow them out just on a turn where you're like, okay, I'll four dozen eggs in quest with everything and present like lethal on my next turn. And then everything with resist two against a grab your sword deck, it doesn't matter if they have double grab because it, both of them do zero damage to all your things. So it can be a way to kind of immediately close the game against steel decks Mm -hmm. in decks that, you know, specifically play to the board with kind of not necessarily wide, but also not necessarily super tall you know, like a a good mix where you just play largely to the board, like that ramp deck, you could find a home for this because it's inkable in in the matchups where it's not good, or if you draw it early, you know, you just ink it. All right, so uh, the next card we're going to be discussing is Falling Down the Rabbit Hole. This is an action that's not a song, so it costs full retail. This is a a four-cost uninkable action it says each player chooses one of their characters and puts them into their inkwell inkwell face down and exerted so if i have no character in play i don't have to do it but if i do have a character in play i can choose my weakest one and it becomes ink and i can also kind of deal with one of my opponent's characters it seems like a mm, on the cusp of maybe being playable but it just seems like a little too wonky to me yeah, it is. It's hard to engineer a scenario where you really want to be doing this. Um, the ideal is that you're, you know, 
you have a you played a Mickey Mouse detective on three, and then you play this on four, and you get to eat one of your opponent's characters and put your inky Mickey into the, your inkwell also. The the hard part is that then you aren't doing something like playing Carefree Surfer in your deck because you need to be building up your characters. Right. So then you're you're maybe building you're maybe more of like a Ruby deck where you know you're more be prepared based and single targeted removal based. But then this is also really bad against a go wide strategy, which is kind of what you already struggle with outside of be prepared. Um, so there's a lot of tensions on this card that I don't know if it's going to find a home, but if it has a home, it's going to be really good. Where like if somebody's just playing a deck where they play one big threat every turn, this card's basically phenomenal against those decks. Right. I agree. Um, all right. Before we move on, I'd like to take this time to say thank you to our sponsor, uh, Games and Comics Paradise. Uh, Games and Comics Paradise is a store out of Fairfax, Virginia that specializes in trading card games like uh, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, Magic the Gathering, and now Disney's Lorcana. Make sure to check out their website, gcparadise.com, for uh, uh, all your singles and TCG player or TCG needs. Uh, we will be uh, looking forward to some tournaments that they have in the future. And uh, Harlan, you're actually pretty close to their store, and uh, hopefully you'll be heading up there to play some so y'all can maybe meet Mr. Harlan at one of those events. All right, uh, next up, we're going to be moving on to the Knock. This is uh, the Water Spirit, the Knock. Uh, this is a four-cost inkable 4-3 four, with Ward and a quest for one. Uh, pretty generic. Yeah, it's it's the problem with the Ward cards is you typically want them to be pretty high lore cards because right. the idea is against the single-targeted removal decks you get to play your thing that's going to guaranteed translate to lore because mm. it can't be challenged and it can't be targeted. But, you know, the one point of lore I think is going to hold this back a lot more than if it was like a, a two, three with two points or something, you know, I agree. Uh, next up, we have Prince Charming heir to the throne. This is a four cost inkable three, three, the quest for three uh, look like another Hans, but uh, in a different color. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's funny because Sapphire as a color is so much less aggressive than Emerald that this card doesn't stand out to me. You know, it's not like, oh my God, this fits in perfect. I can have a huge threat at this place on the curve. Mm -hmm. That's not really what I'm trying to do in my Sapphire decks. No, I agree. Uh, I, I do like, you know, basically spreading out the ability to get aggressive with cards like Prince Charming Heir to the Throne. And, um, you know, I, even the two cost Aurora, the quest for two, I think that there's a lot to be said about potentially building a Sapphire deck to, to work in that manner. Uh, we will need more pieces, but in the future, stuff like this existing uh, gives me, uh, you know, uh, some hope that we'll be able to do that. Next up, uh, Nick Wild, Wily Fox. This is a four cost inkable two four, the quest for two, the ability. It's called a hustle. When you play this character, you may return an item card named Popsicle from your discard to your hand. Tell me about it. Well, Nick kind of already tells us everything we need to know with the flavor text. It's criminal how good these things taste. <laughs> I forgot. What were they made of? What was the hustle? Because I've actually watched this movie, but it was like on a plane eight years ago or six years ago or whatever. Um, I, I remember it's just popsicles but they're they, they're like shaped like a paw but like what is it made from like why is it a hustle 
Uh, I think it was a hustle because it's like something he got for free. Mm. If I remember correctly, and then he like people are like, "Why is this two dollars?" Then he's like, "The the sticks are redwood." <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Okay. Yeah, and it's just like random stuff, and like it's frozen, and then he just sells it for two bucks. All right, fair enough. All right, but in, in the context of Lorcana, uh, this card bringing back back the popsicle uh, just means that if you play a deck with four popsicle, this is essentially bring it back, which is essentially draw a card. Uh, on top of that, you can use it to heal him. Uh, since he does have four willpower, it's quite high. So you can use the popsicle to give him a little bit more willpower after he's been trading or getting uh, tacked into. Uh, it's great in multiples. Uh, it is not good if you don't have a popsicle already uh, in the, your discard pile, I think is the big deal. That's true, but it is inkable. And right. also it, it is a, as a card, you know, a two four two point quester for four is actually like a reasonable card that, you know, a lot of decks would be pretty close to playing. Obviously, you'd like better stats, mm-hmm. but it's not anemic, you know, or too anemic. It is a, a pretty functional card on rate on the curve in a spot that traditionally is kind of lacking in that four drop role. Mm-hmm. So it's not it kind of fits in nicely. Uh, next up is Mrs. Judson. This is a four cost one five uninkable a quest for two with the ability tidy up. Whenever you play a Floodborne character, you may put the top card of your deck into your inkwell face down and exerted. So another potential ramper card for Sapphire leaning into their kind of second identity outside of the uh, items is uh, ramping. Yeah, this this card uh, has some strong potential. It is where it fits on the curve and then it needs a follow up. It's really less about maybe ramping versus just like going really big it's not necessarily about just getting there quickly it's about just going large for those for those mid games uh next up is james role model this is a four cost uninkable three three the quest for two uh the ability is never ever lose sight when this character is banished you may put this card into your inkwell face down and exerted uh this is like a slightly bigger gramatala and uh, Grimatala, you know, it, it had some trouble, I think, seeing play early on. But ultimately, even you ended up putting it in your winning uh, Sapphire uh, Amber deck and having a slightly bigger one that quests for a little bit more and it's uh, sized a little bit better. Uh, what do you think about this card? Yeah, I could easily see playing a copy of this. You know, if if ever I was light on uninkables, which, you know, that basically never happens <laughs> ever because there's so many good uninkable cards. Mm-hmm. But this, this is a like if you have a couple sl- slots it's pretty easy to throw these in um usually the issue with like these four drops is that they don't translate to enough value Mm -hmm. but getting the the lore or the trade out of this and then getting a resource back is a pretty big deal i like that um it goes into your inkwell no matter how it uh, is banished and like there are some cards that only work when they're banished in combat and uh there are some that work whenever the fact that this works whenever means that you know, it's always going to be questing for two and then getting you uh, an extra resource, which I think is pretty sweet. Uh, next up is uh, uh, Hiram Flaversham. This is a the toy maker. It's a four cost inkable one six. The ability is Artificer. It says when you play this character and whenever he quests, you may banish one of your items to draw two cards and it quests for one. Uh, tell me about it. Yeah, this is one of your your largest payoffs for your your popsicles, right? They are just always lying around unless you really needed to cash them in for 
healing, but we all know that healing isn't like a huge thing and it really doesn't come up. So typically they're just sitting around and they immediately get translated into an additional two cards on a, a four cost one six, which is just, you know, we've seen Rapunzel a lot and a one six is just even a little bit harder to get off the table. Yeah. And you know, this isn't as large of a threat because it doesn't have that second point of lore, but this threatens to draw even more cards than a Rapunzel can. And then some. Yeah. And if, if you have enough like cheap things to play out all of your extra resources that you can generate, it starts to become overwhelming for your opponent. Uh, the way that we constructed the Amber Steel Stitch Blitz deck at the beginning, for example, we play just like an enormous number of one cost things so that when we start singing a whole new world, we can deploy all of those extra resources before our opponent's able to deploy all their resources, effectively overwhelming them. And I could really see Hiram doing something very similar. Uh, I love that it triggers when it comes in and when it quests. So you get to play it on four and immediately draw the two cards and kind of set up for your next turn. And it curves nicely with... Um, uh, Nick Wild, where on turn five, you can play Nick Wild, get back the popsicle, play the popsicle, draw a card, quest with Hiram, draw two cards, sack the popsicle again, and just keeps the juice coming and coming and coming. You see what I was talking about earlier now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> loving it. Loving it. All right. Uh, so huge part of that combo is Hiram. Let's go to the next card. This is going to be a new version of Basil Perceptive in, uh, Investigator. There's a four-cost inkable 3-4 that quests for two. Nothing really special about this one. Maybe it's a yeah, shift Yeah, best thing it does is it gets shifted on top of while being a reasonable body itself. It's a bit of a cost to get that two cards back. You know, mm -hmm. it it's less hoops because it's just, you know, playing a character and then playing another character than this whole popsicle thing. Mm -hmm. But the, the, it, in the amount of time you invest in it is so much worse than, you know, you're paying nine to get two cards out and you end up with one character where, you know, with the popsicle, you've paid one. If you play a high room, you've, you're in for five. You've already drawn three cards. Uh, it is a little bit more hoops to jump through, but the, the payoff, like the juice is absolutely worth the squeeze. All right, moving on, we're going to get to the three drops now. Uh, we're going to start with maybe my favorite color in Sapphire, and this is completely separate from all the Popsicle stuff going on, but it might just be a good enough card to fit in the Popsicle decks herself. This is Alice, Growing Girl, uh, three-cost inkable, one-four, and it says, Your other characters gain support. Um, that's all of your other characters. And the bigger you build your board, the more powerful it can become uh, because it allows for different combinations of some characters supporting others to allow for bigger and better trades. Uh, but it has a, an enormous payoff called What Did I Do? And it said, while this character has 10 strength or more, she can quest for plus four lore, so all the way up to five. As far as I can tell, this is the most lore that a single character can generate by itself. Um, and uh, in conjunction with good advice or first ability that gives everything support, it doesn't seem that difficult to actually make Alice quest for five the turn after you play it, as long as you just have developed on turns one, two, and four or if you play alice later in the game you can kind of just get it to a spot where you get to double spell on a turn with alice do some cool attacks and then on the next turn maybe still quest for five yeah this card is awesome uh it's super flavorful it's a sweet build around yeah but also just you know kind of strong in its own right 
without being like doing the whole thing to get to the 10 strength, but then also as the payoff. Um, I expect to see a ton of this card. I don't, I don't think it's like gangbuster super strong, but I think it is a very solid card and does have a pretty high power level. And we'll definitely see a lot of it. So I, I expect to see the the what did I do ability happen a couple of times, but I don't I don't expect to see it super frequently. I mean, look, you played uh was it Bell Strange was special? We thought it was gonna mm-hmm. be one of the best cards in the set. It kind of flopped in the first couple of weeks, but then after people really figured out how to build the Sapphire decks correctly, it started to pick up a little more steam in, in your Amber and Sapphire builds that you played at the Invitational. And I think that this card is easier to enable than that. Mostly because the way that I watched the games play from the commentary booth over the course of that weekend, the better players just stopped questing. And Mm -hmm. the more that you build up your board, the more that this card is going to be good. And if you're able to play a very similar game plan to that, uh, I I just think that it's going to be paltry to get it up to 10 strength. I mean, three characters most of the time, maybe even two characters, depending on how late in the game it is. Um, And, uh, you know, that's like when you were going for the the big finale, right? You're just going to go quest with this, quest with this, quest with this, all of them giving support to the Alice quest for five more with Alice. And if everything starts ready, it's so difficult for some decks to even be in the race, right? And the same way that bell strange with special is able to turn the corner and just uh, obliterate your opponent on, on that regard. So I, yeah, I, I do think there's a bit of a difference well, I, I guess Alice still meets the same requirement of she is enabling something else in the mid game. Right. Uh, and if it's something that you are really looking for is like, I really need support on these characters so I can get some good challenges in. And she also, she has a pretty high willpower herself. So, you know, she can be the challenger while you're doing that. And if, you know, she falls off, that's totally fine because she's not going to be super relevant until way later in the game. And then you can just play another one at that point. Um, where, you know, Bell was really meeting that we really wanted that being able to ink an extra thing. Right. And then it being inkable for when you didn't want that. Alice does meet all those requirements. So you might just be right that, you know, it's like the early weeks where we don't really know how to do it. So we think it's kind of bad. And then we figure it out and it's actually really good. My big draw for it is that it is one of the few cards that can do a support style thing with immediacy most of the other characters that have support you have to play them and then the next turn you have to quest with them and then you already have to have something else in play to give the buff to and your opponent has to have something vulnerable to be challenged and so it just takes a lot of it's like a telegraphed play and this Mm -hmm. is not a telegraphed play very similar to the the amber queen uh that shifts and um i just love it i i you know, maybe Sapphire just doesn't go in that direction. That's fine. No, it, I, I think that's a really important thing to point out. It's like pseudo rush almost. Yeah. Where like it, it is slightly face up because the character that is going to be doing the supporting already had the challenge available mm-hmm. to it. But if it's something that has like a, a high strength and a low willpower that like your opponent was totally fine with the trade. And then you have something, say, like a Rapunzel or whatever sitting around that's a one five. Now you get to eat their thing and just have a meager amount of damage on your Rapunzel. That sounds great to me. Now, to continue in the vein of uh, all the support and, and, and things like that, the, what about 
Sapphire Amber coming back with the queen, being able to juice up this card on top of, you know, adding. So like the queen says, whenever it quests, it adds what four strength to your thing minus four strength to your opponent's thing, but it doesn't say support. And so it kind of gains double support with that Alice, which is kind of messed up too, which means that it alone can add eight strength to that Alice, which means that you only need one more strength to be able to quest for five. And the Amber cards just keep getting more busted. I mean, look, uh, we played it's the good, good we cards, did that one right? first Since we keep talking about the queen in every video. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> by design, by design. Uh, uh, next up, we're going to be talking about Maurice's Workshop, another potential item for the item combo deck. Uh, this is a three-cost uninkable item uh, with the ability, looking for this. Whenever you play another item, you may pay one to draw a card. What do you think about this one in the uh, items deck? Yeah, so this is a really powerful engine that you have access to, especially when you're recurring the popsicles. This is kind of where you start to lose me a bit on the, well, what happens when you don't have popsicle? Right. You know, this is a little bit far for me because it's it's three costs, which is already kind of high to not be doing anything, especially when your whole deck is just characters that are a little bit below rate and draw cards so you need to be like impacting the board when you're not doing that and this is more of the you know air kind of in essence Mm -hmm. and then it's also uninkable so like when you don't have the popsicle you can't even make this into an ink to keep doing whatever else you need to do where the characters are inkable and so this is where you really start to lose me and you know where it's like okay this is too much let me just do something else that maybe impacts the board or if i need more Card draw, I'll just play something like Sisu, you know? No, I feel you. I'm not a big fan of that card either. Uh, Moving on, we're going to talk about Fang Crossbow. This is another item. Cost three is inkable. Uh, First ability is Careful Aim. Exert it and pay two. Chosen character gets minus two strength this turn. Pretty weak ability, all things considered, especially costing two ink to activate. And then a second ability called Stay Back! You may exert it and banish this item to banish chosen dragon character. There's not that many dragons in chapter one, but there's a couple in chapter two. And now this might actually have enough targets to be viable, especially considering uh, it's inkable, unlike the one from the first set that only killed dragons, uh, but was not inkable. Yeah, absolutely. If we if we end up with a dragon that is all over the place in so many matchups, you might see this see some play mm-hmm. as a one or two of where, you know, kind of a free roll because it's inkable you'll never draw two if you only have one in your deck totally fine um or if we ever get you know sideboards added as we have more and more card pool then you know this is a solid cyborg card because it comes in in the matchup where it's good and then when they don't have the dragon you just ink it it's like the ideal in that type of scenario all right next up we're going to talk about launch this is a three cost action that's not inkable does banish chosen item of yours to deal five damage to chosen character. This is a perfect thing to use with Popsicle, if you have to ask me. Ready, aim, coconut? coconut? <laughs> yeah, this card's sweet. Uh, I think this is also a bit, uh, maybe a step too far. Uh, mm-hmm. If we find more items that we kind of free roll, like, I don't expect more things like Popsicle, where, you know, we're just automatically replacing it for the one cost it investment but this is the type of card that is what makes that problematic that you already got your resource back like we talked about it with the song that you know you discard one of your characters to blow up their character this is like the same thing but 
you know, I was looking at a three cost character that drew a card. You're looking at one cost things that don't draw a card. For an item, we get both. You know, we get the yeah. best of both worlds. To be frank, uh, it's not a it's not a song, so I don't know if it has quite uh, the staying power as the other one. Mm-hmm. But you know that that synergy with popsicle and dealing five means it's going to kill most things in the game. Uh, I think that it's uh, it's it's pretty solid. Uh, the only thing holding it back for me is it's uninkable, and that could cause some tension. But that's just a number of cards in your deck that you always have to be cognizant of. And uh, I think as long as you have you know forty four ish inkables, I think you're going to be fine. And it just ha- it can be part of the fourteen mm-hmm. uh, or sixteen or however many. Uh, next up, Winnie the Pooh having a think uh, three cost two three inkable and it quests for two. With the ability Honeypot, whenever this character quests, you may put a card from your hand into your inkwell face down. Uh, I'll say that it started as uh, being compared to Mickey Mouse Detective, people saying that this was better than Detective. I think it's significantly worse than Detective because the Detective gets a, uh, ink from the top of your deck and doesn't uh, take something from your hand. Uh, where playing both actually just seems more reasonable than anything, if you ask me. Yeah, I've had a ton of people reach out to me asking, you know, if this would go in the the Sapphire Amber Ramp deck. And similarly to the the Mickey comparison, this card is actually way closer to Wishbone or Fishbone Quill, mm. which I would say is a better card because you get the to make the resource immediately. And that is a card I'm not even a little bit interested in in the Ramp deck because it is card disadvantage to be ramping which is already an issue I kind of have with Bell, like a little bit, mm-hmm. where I don't always want to be doing that with Bell. Like Bell was kind of there to specifically for when my opponent was going to be whole new worlding me to basically like, okay, I have a Bell. Do you really want to do it? Because I'm going to play two ink a turn and you're going to fall way far behind mm-hmm. very quickly. Where, you know, this does the same kind of thing, but way less powerful where i can't do it immediately i have to be questing with it so i have to you know untap with it and then it's not repeatable and it doesn't threaten to gain five lore at the end of the game um i think this card is sweet i think it's just it doesn't have a home yet Mm -hmm. and i think you have to be drawing a lot of cards and then you kind of need more than just fishbone quill right you want to be playing more than four copies of that to want to play this all right, next up, we're going to be discussing Judy Hopps, Optimistic Officer. Uh, three cost inkable, two, three. Quest for two with the ability, don't call me cute. When you play this character, you may banish chosen item. Its player draws a card. Yeah, so this is the card that really sends the popsicle thing for me over the edge. Where this is a card I would want to be playing anyway because it's incidental item hate, right? Against your opponent that, you know, I want item removal in my Sapphire deck. I don't have access to that. This is a three cost two, three that quests for two. That's a pretty good stat line. I'm all for this. Oh, wait, I can blow up my popsicle that already drew a card to draw a card. That's awesome. Now my, my situational card that I would, you know, need to ink some amount of the time because my opponent doesn't have an item. It's now it just drew a card instead and killed my item that didn't need to do anything. And I'll just I'll wild it back the next turn. Yeah, love it. It's great. Uh, next up, we're going to be discussing Caterpillar Common Collected. This is a three cost inkable, one three, the quests for three. Uh, give me your hottest take on this card. 
Well, so the flavor text is keep your tempo, and that's what's going to happen with this card all the time because you're not going to be able to quest with it because they're going to challenge it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a 1-3, it's small body, but a 3-cost card that quests for 3, uh, we don't see that a lot. And uh, it seems like uh, maybe they're trying to push Sapphire in a direction where they can potentially be a little more aggressive. You know, we saw the the Prince earlier that can quest for 3, and the Aurora that quests for 2, that only cost 2. Um, and we'll, hopefully we'll just get closer and closer to having a uh, Sapphire deck that kind of looks like the Emerald decks that we had in Chapter 1, right? Yeah, I, I think it's it's important to point out that they're good with Resist right like Cogsworth and things like that you Mm -hmm. you give these characters resist so maybe they aren't meant to quest immediately but you get to like play two of them and then play the Cogsworth and then you get to quest because you have that resist now and it's kind of like a delayed action which is much more appealing to me but you know it's it's kind of building a house of cards and that's something I usually try and avoid I feel that Next up is uh, another item uh, that potentially goes into these item combo decks. We're going to talk about Gumbo Pot, two-cost inkable, the ability the best I've ever tasted. Uh, You can exert it to remove one damage from each of up to two chosen characters. Uh, The ability doesn't seem that relevant, Is this? but is this something that maybe you want because it's just a cheap item? Yeah, so uh, Jeebus plays some of these in his deck, and it does remove damage from characters, so it it combos with the seven drop we looked Mm. at before to you know gain all that lore and then it also works as a cheap item i think this is another part of the we might be digging a little too deep for me right um i want to find items i would be playing anyway yes to get pair with my popsicles not a like third layer it has some synergies like really far down once i've drawn a billion cards yeah. to turn on my cards uh yeah i think we can do better than this all right, next up is Noi Orphan Thief. This is a two-cost inkable 1-2 with the ability Hide and Seek. Uh, while you have an item in play, this character gains Resist 1 and Ward, and it quests for 2. Uh, so this is another one of those very aggressive 2-drops that quests for 2. Uh, has a couple of ways to potentially protect itself, but those types of decks don't usually like to play items because it takes away from that aggressively slanted game plan but uh is resist one and ward enough to warrant playing noi in something like your popsicle deck yeah so this is a card that i see as kind of like a role player for attacking more of like a controlling deck where you can get it down early after you played your popsicle on one and then it just threatens to kind of dominate the lore totals for quite a while early in the game where you know you really need to have three points of power of strength to be challenging this. Otherwise you have to challenge over two turns and Mm -hmm. then I've gained a bunch of lore or it it has ward. So they can't dragon fire it. Right. But a lot of times I would expect this to be inked and that that's largely what it would be doing most of the time. Uh, I think it's a solid card that we'll see a lot of, but it probably won't hit play as often as you would think. All right. Continuing on with some more aggressively costed, Questers, this is Duke Weaselton, small-time crook, two-cost inkable, one-two, the quest for two, and it has ward. So kind of similar to Noi that we just saw, but uh, doesn't require, um, you know, having uh, an item in play, but no chance at the uh, the damage prevention ability to resist. Yeah, I think this is a, a – it fits the same role where you have access to this in your Sapphire decks, and if you don't want to – if you're not playing Popsicle or you'd rather not jump through the hoop, you have easy access to just, hey, this has Ward, 
they're not going to be challenging me anyway. Let me get this early threat in and get some lore. All right, next up, uh, Cruel DeVille, Fashionable Cruiser, uh, two cost inkable three, two with the ability. Now get going during your turn. This character gains evasive and a quest for one. So, uh, it can beat up on Simba and it can beat up on Pascal and a number of other evasive characters. I think that this is maybe the best two drop in Sapphire. What do you think? Absolutely. So this is, you know, we've talked about the other two cost three twos that are inkable in the other colors that, you know, I would, I would play most of them just because sometimes it comes up that you want to eat a Simba. This is a card that I will absolutely be playing in the vast majority of my Sapphire decks because evasive is a, is a keyword that you struggle with anyway in Sapphire, especially like a thing like Pascal that it is so resource negative to be playing like a let it go on a pascal that yes. you can't remove otherwise uh, it's like have you ever have you ever played a dragon fire on a pascal i know you've played a let it go on a pascal they feel equally horrible no mine feels worse because they get the resource back that's fair that's fair <laughs> yeah and the worst part is i can't even ink it because i know i have to kill the pascal with it later <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's that's horrible we didn't sapphire didn't have a good way to to beat a uh, Simba protective cub. Like people say you had Phil, but we didn't have a good way. They'll just it. get squished by the deal one, everything, uh, mm -hmm. Tinkerbell, Tinkerbell or, yep. you know, it's whatever. Yeah. And Cruella still gets grab your sorted, but it, it does it way more functionally and, and translates to other matchups too. Yeah. And this card, it shores up a big issue that this color had moving forward. All right, next up is the small version of the Cogsworth Talking Clock. There's a two-cost inkable 2-3 two, with the ability, wait a minute, your characters with Reckless gain exert to gain a lore and a quest for one. Uh, this is not really that relevant of an ability, but it is the shift target for the five-cost Cogsworth Grandfather Clock. And uh, when I played both of them in my deck, uh, the two-cost 2-3 two, was reasonable enough, and then the shift onto it was quite nice as well. Um, what do you think about this? Do you think that Cogsworth package is going to see any play in Sapphire outside of the popsicle decks? Uh, I, I do. Um, I think this Cogsworth actually got a huge boost with the, uh, Ruby one drop cat, the three, one with reckless. Oh. I think that makes this ability way more relevant, which increases this card's playability a lot because I don't really think you need to be shifting big Cogsworth. I think that's more of like an incidental, Hey, I was already playing the small one. Let me shift it. Where now I think this small this talking clock Cogsworth actually will see some play in Ruby Sapphire decks. All right, moving on. Uh, Basil of Baker Street. This is a two cost inkable two two uh, quest for one and has support. Uh, you know this is a nice shift target for the five drop or the six drop Basil that shifts for five. Other than that, I think this is a pretty whatever card. I mean, it's uh, Phil esque because of the support, mm -hmm. not vulnerable to the one damage stuff. Uh, we're going to be moving on to the one cost things now. Uh, we've already discussed Popsicle at length, so I'm going to skip over it, but just know it is in the one drop slot as well. Uh, we're going to be talking about nothing to hide. Uh, this is a one cost inkable action, and it says each opponent reveals their hand and you draw a card. Yeah, so I think this card uh, is important to have access to for the decks that really need actions to be turning your cards on. That being said, in most Sapphire decks, I expect this to not be seeing a lot of play in your kind of traditional game plans. 
because sapphire as a color is already playing from behind a lot of the times right you're investing your time into ramping to do a bigger thing so then you're not gonna have an ink laying around right the whole yeah. point is curving up so you're you're usually not gonna have a, an ink just sitting around not being used for a turn so this card i see seeing play later on once we have more payoffs like pete bad guy and the the uh diver Minnie mouse yeah i agree um, you know, when I, when the first set came out, uh, develop your brain was a four of, in like every Sapphire deck I saw, and I saw people playing it on turn one all the time. And I just told them to stop doing that. I said, just play it as ink, you know, play something that affects the board, play goon, play something else. Um, you know, obviously later in the game, it's going to be significantly stronger, uh, because it has a little bit of card selection. This card, I don't really know what turn it's going to be actively good. Maybe turn four or five so that you just to like fill out using all of your ink for a turn because it allows you to see your opponent's next couple of plays. And if one of those plays happens to be grab your sword, be prepared, Tinkerbell Giant Fairy, these things that are extremely effective uh, on the board, uh, you know, maybe that knowledge is able to save you down the line. But overall, I think it's just a well, pretty generic card. Yeah, the the real problem with that is that those turns are the key turns to not be wasting an ink, right? You really need to be playing a four or five drop to match your opponents sure. to stay even on board. And, you know, the information is helpful, but playing a four drop and your opponent played a five drop, that's a huge difference in this game. When you, especially when you start looking at the difference between the average five drop and the average four drop, those stats do not match up. No, I agree. Well. That's a great point. Uh, next up, uh, we're getting down to the bottom of the barrel here. This is Owl, Logical Lecturer. One cost inkable, two, two, quest for one. This is another goon. Did we need another goon? I think Flounder, Flounder's got something to say about this one. Yeah, Flounder's way more likely to get a shift card too i agree I, I agree i hope that they make like a giant flounder that's like enchanted to be large and in charge <laughs> maybe like flounder gets turned into a shark and it's like flounder the shark gets shifted onto baby flounder that'd be sweet <laughs> all right this is the last card of sapphire and of today's video uh this is jasmine heir of agrabah a one cost inkable one two the quest for one with the ability i'm a fast learner when you play this character remove up to one damage from chosen character of yours pretty not yeah i could maybe uh, see a world where this is a, a it it finds a home in one of the rapunzel decks that cares about you peeling damage off your cards the problem being that like of course popsicle does that too right <laughs> uh so yeah I, I don't see this finding much of a home maybe if we get a really aggressive shift jasmine this could find a home just by enabling that um but yeah don't All expect right. to see this one very often well, uh, that's going to be the end of today's video. This has been our Lost Boys set review for Sapphire from Chapter 2, Disney's Lorcana, Rise of the Floodborne. I'm Tandy. That's Harlan. Say bye, Harlan. Bye, Harlan. <laughs>